God's grace, God's peace be with you all. In my senior year of high school, the senior high Sunday school class had dwindled down to approximately four students, two males, two females. The attrition was due in part to the fact that someone had the grand idea that seniors in high school would be great Sunday school teachers. The Sunday school superintendent approached my good friend Craig and myself, sat us down and explained that they would not be mixing genders in the sixth grade, but they would be separating them. Craig and myself would be great teachers for the sixth grade boys. Curriculum had been chosen. Teachers' guides were handed out along with the year's calendar. Superintendent said assuringly, you'll be just great. They're going to love you. Craig and I thought, how cool is this? We got our own Sunday school class, and they're all boys. We would visit about the curriculum. The curriculum was entitled, The Heroes of Faith. We would draw from these stories of the heroes of faith, unique character traits from each of them, and attempt to weave that into the minds and hearts of our sixth grade class. The curriculum focused entirely on the heroes of faith, all of whom happened to be men. You see, back then, the selection of the curriculum and my own narrow view of scripture made no allowance for the women of faith, as if there were too far too few of them to recognize. I don't remember any Sunday morning lectionary texts about significant women in Scripture. I don't remember many sermons on the women heroes of faith all except for Mary, the mother of our Lord, but she wasn't really actually a hero. Instead, she was just a servant doing her job. And then there was the story of Mary and Martha, who were servants at best, but tidy models for how women of faith should respond to Jesus, listening, feeding. Were there sermons on women in Scripture? Perhaps, perhaps the larger issue for me to attend to were my own listening skills or the lack thereof. Perhaps if I paid more attention to the Mary and Martha story, I would remember something about who they were and how they affected the culture of God's people. The Sunday school season began. Craig and I came out of the gate with the real superhero, Samson, a man with Herculean strength, long flowing hair, doing exactly what he was told. Okay, he had one little momentary character flaw, 
lost his hair, lost his eyesight, chained to the walls of the temple, pulled hard, crushed the enemy. That even this small flaw, we said, through that small flaw and Samson's life, God would accomplish what God wished. And then we focused on David, key figure, leader, po poet, and with a momentary lapse of moral judgment, yet armed with the forgiveness of God, God still accomplished through David that which God wanted. There was the almost too much material when we launched into Moses, who looked like Charlton Heston, we were convinced, had a tight relationship with God, and then, instilled by the encouragement of God, stood out against the oppression of Pharaoh, led God's people out into a 40-year wander in the desert with no GPS, and then delivered God's people into the promised land. It's important to say that Craig and I skipped over intentionally the more complex parts of these stories. After all, these were only sixth graders. And somebody else could mop it up in seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade, even in their confirmation class. What we wanted were these sixth graders to have an epic view of these characters and an even larger view of the God that had promised to encourage them. To all of those sixth graders that I taught in Sunday school class, I am heartily sorry for such a skewed view of God's people. We do know, however, that when we read scripture, it does some funny things to us. At first pass, when we read scripture, we begin to see that these heroes of the faith are fully human fully flawed, and possess a pretty complex relationship with God. At the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth reading of Scripture, Scripture reveals that God has more to do in the story than we'd previously thought. Take, for example, the entire chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Why list these people? What was the common thread tying them all together? The author of the book of Hebrews uses two words to link all of these characters. By faith. Faith. The presence and action of God working in us. God the game changer, who gets into our lives and reorders our lives, plants seeds of living and loving in us that will prosper through our lives, rewires our hearts for greater compassion, and finally, with the Spirit's help, changes us day after day after day after day, so much so, that you begin to develop a bold trust in God's grace 
becoming so certain of God's favor and mercy that you would risk death a thousand times over trusting in God's love for you. Faith. God's work in us. God working us over. For certainly there is much work to do. I want to share with you two observations about the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. This listing of people who by faith were loved by God. First observation, chapter 11 is way too short. I know there was probably some editor at some point in time with a word count that said we need to shorten this down, but honestly, chapter 11 still too short. As chapter 11 states, all these people died in faith. And the emphasis at the end of the chapter is they died in faith. Why is it that we wait until death to talk about a living, active faith in those among us? Like we did at the memorial service for Paul Egertson not too long ago. At Paul's memorial service, there was story after story after story of how he had touched the lives of many, and he did so by faith. How would life be different in this community if we began to name and honor people of faith? Students, faculty, staff, administrators, who, though flawed, are living out lives of active faith, showing the evidence of God's love working in and through them. Which leads me to my second and final observation. We don't tell each other enough, not nearly enough, these things. That God is working in you. That by faith, your life is different. And that your life of faith inspires my life of faith. Let's start doing just that. Here's how we're going to do it. You need to know the name of the person seated next to or near you. Make sure you know it. Good. And we're going to do the simple gesture of placing a hand on that person's shoulder and say this line over them. I'll use Melissa as an example. I would say, by faith, Melissa, God calls you righteous. Share that word around the room. By faith, God calls you righteous. Now, the stronger charge and challenge. The work that we are called to do. Believe it to be true. Amen.